Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. The word's been off to a great start in 2024, um, thanks to Pastor Tim. Um, let's just, uh, can we thank the Lord for our pastor one time? Just so you know, the reason I preach is not because he doesn't have a word to share. He's got plenty of words to share, and so I know that, and I'm thankful for the opportunity I appreciate it. I, um, I'm so thankful for a pastor that hears the Lord and believes in the next generation. Amen. That believes it's so... Yeah, that was fitting. Believes that it's bigger than him. It's bigger than us. It's a God thing. And and isn't that what you want? I don't want a man-made service, a man-made thing. Matter of fact, I don't want to put my hands on it. His presence, God wants to do. And you know that is the same way about whatever's in your hands, your household, your home, your family? Did you know that what God is calling you to regarding that? Maybe you're single and even that, just whatever's in your hands. Maybe you're married or you're pregnant, about to have kids, or maybe you have kids or whatever your circumstance, whatever is in your hands, know that it's bigger than what you see. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. Can you say that? It's bigger than me. I don't know if you believe it or not, do you? I mean, I mean, God's plan, God's calling, God knitting you together in your mother's womb and God speaking to you. Do you think that just going through the mundane of life, dragging through life, wandering aimlessly, do you think that's God's intention for his people? No. So as I've been preparing this message, I... I'm wanting to share what God's speaking to me, but I asked the Lord, Lord, if this is just what you're saying to me, I don't want to give it to your body. Because if it's just for me, then it's just for me. But the more I was going through it, the more I realized that, that it is so necessary for the church to hear this. And it's a message to the household. It's a message about the importance of home. Because many of us, if you're like me, we focus on our career, we focus on our job and our work, and we put great emphasis on it. We want it to be so amazing and to be set so on mission, start with why, but then we get home and we're tired and we're worn out. And many times, like I said, if you're like me, we can lack vision and the very thing that God wants us to have vision about. And that's being at home. And that's your marriage, and that's your family, and that's your kids. So I ask you, if you were to evaluate how you are at home, because this matters even to the church, because we bring our home here. Are we men and women wandering aimlessly, bumping into whatever comes, or are we on mission? The Bible says in Proverbs that without revelation or vision, the people run wild. And the literal is right there in parentheses. It's vision and perish. Dad, mom, without vision, without mission, 
the kids run. It's all right to be wild a little once in a while. Without vision, the people perish, but one who follows divine instruction will be happy, will be blessed. Without vision, the people perish. So we begin and ask the Lord for vision. Like my art professor at Georgetown said, before we can even pick up utensils, I have to teach you how to see. Because you have assumptions about what a still life looks like. You have assumptions about what a person looks like. And you'll bring those assumptions to the drawing. What I have to do first is teach you how to see shading. Teach you how to see proportions. Hmm. Lord, begin where you need to begin. Erase what you need to erase. Lord, we are open to see clearly. Because we know that the pandemic is not just about sickness. There's a sickness that is contagious in the home apart from your spirit. See, here's the problem. And I feel as pastors, we need to address the problems. Amen? Amen. If it's not a problem, then let's, we don't need to talk about it. But if it's a problem, let's address the problem. What's the problem at hand? In my opinion... Might not be my opinion, but I'll just say that. There is a contagious strand of toxic behavior in the home. A contagion either, listen now, initiated or simply just tolerated by the family. And without condemning too sharply, I think it comes in particular by way of the father many times. A conformity with the pattern of worldly behavior a carnal infection, worldly infection or interaction. God is at the church building. God can be on the way to school, but in my home, you know, a little bit at dinner, we, we pray. But if we're in too much of a hurry, no, not even that. We relax, we eat, drink, and be merry, and we never miss practice, and we always go, and everything else comes first. But God in my home... You might say, Dustin, you're extreme. Perhaps I've been told that at times, that I can be extreme or intense. <laughs> Who was that? Uh, I like that. What if there truly is a deeper issue at hand? All I'm here to do today is to offer a suggestion in 2024, a mind shift a mind shift of what it means to be at home, have a marriage, have a family, be obedient with my life, be obedient with what God's called me to steward, whatever that is. And if you're single, please don't check out on me. There's great application for you as well. What if we were heading a direction that we didn't want to go? Would we change it? Like, I get this picture, like if I could see a graph of the trajectory of my life, and I could see the end, like let's just say for my marriage and the direction that I'm heading, if I could see the end that I know the direction was heading into divorce, would I keep doing the same things? See, many times we're supposed to start with the end in mind, right? If I was doing something and, and the graph looked like this, the trajectory of my kids, at the end they were good at sports and they were successful at school, but they didn't love the Lord, they didn't love the church, would I keep going the same direction? No. What, about, what about the other side? If the trajectory, if the graph... Can you bear with me? You following me? If the graph was that my kids were on course to love Jesus and to love the church and to love to worship him and to be successful according to the master, would we take that direction? Someone say amen. We would. Let it be. Now I understand there's many things outside of our control, but do we have Vision. Do we have intentionality? Do we have direction? Only you can answer that for your family. And please, I'm not saying that you don't by saying this. 
Some of you, this will be convicting. Others, it will be affirming the direction that you're going. In my journal, I found an old journal. And I said an Andy Stanley quote. This is about four years old, so don't be afraid. Just <laughs> Hopefully it went over your head. Okay, direction. Next slide. We have it, right? Direction. Sorry. You can listen. Direction, not intention, determines destiny. My, I had good intentions. I had good motives, right? We, we were busy. Now my kids lost. Now my family, I can't get it back. Direction, not intention, determines destiny. And many of you, by the grace of God and the mercy of God, today have an opportunity to make a decision to change course, to change direction for the master. Let's pray. Lord, help us to know it's so much bigger than us. This interruption today, this conversation. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them like you spoke to me about this, like you convicted me about this, like you were speaking to me directly as a son that needed discipline and direction. Lord, I pray that you speak it so tenderly and so soft and in a way that we are receptive for it and that it changes us, Lord. We are open to be changed. Come on, church. We are open to be transformed today. Come on, be open. God, whatever you want, we sing about it, Lord. But I pray that there be no restrictions to you. No caution signs, no, no obstacles, no detours. You can't get through this direction, God. You gotta go another direction. May there be no hindrances, no obstacles. Lord, our hearts are completely open because you know what's best for me. Pastor talked about it. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desire. You know the desires of my heart for you knit me together. God, I'm open Help me to see clearly. Forgive me for not and help me to play my part. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. So where do we begin in this conversation, this message for the household? I know the title is Gift of the Garden, but we'll get there. We'll get to talking about the garden. I believe the Lord wants to plant some beautiful things and wants you to be a part of it. But here's where we'll begin. Let's ask ourselves this question. God, what is yours and what is mine? What is his and what is yours? Think about it. Okay. God, my life, the things that I've been given, what's yours and what's mine? You know what the answer is? It's all his. It's all his. In other words, it's not up to me what I want for my kids. I mean, I have a beautiful and creative part to play with God, but ultimately his word is final. Amen? It's all his. It's all his. I'm going to say it till you get it. It's all his. Your daughter is not yours. It's his. You're called to steward what is his. Your wife is not yours. It's his. You're called to steward what is his. Come on, somebody. You have responsibility about what is his. Psalms 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything, say everything, everything, everything in it, the world and all 
who live in it. That's a beautiful thing that the Lord chose to purchase what was already his to begin with on the cross. You say, well, that, okay, my kids are yours. My family's yours. My wife is yours. What about me? You're his too. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your bodies are houses of the Holy Spirit who is in, in you, whom you have received from God? What does that say right there? You are not, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, Regardless of what you feel, regardless of what you think or what the world says, therefore, honor God with your body because it's all his. And let me just remind you who he is. In Isaiah 40, it says, to whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name? Come on, he can be trusted with your life and your family. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Say amen. Amen. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause and my family disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He plays the long game. The Lord is the creator of the ends of the earth, and it's all his. Your family is his. Your marriage is his. Your kids are his. Come on, somebody. We got to give them praise when you feel he's worthy of the praise. You cannot keep it inside. It's a sin, matter of fact, to keep it inside. You can't worry about what the other person thinks when you know he's been good. Testify, somebody. When you know he's going to be faithful, you testify. You do not keep silent in the house of the Lord. <sighs> So he is the main character. Jesus is the main character in your home. Jesus is the main character in your church. He's the protagonist. He's what the story is about. He's what it's all about. And if we're not about Jesus in our homes, guys, we've missed it. We've missed it all. Subtly. Deceptively. Hell hasn't came for us, but that's fine. We can walk there beautifully and easily on the wide road. The main character is always Jesus. Lord, I pray in the household of the Whartons at Dustin and Chantel's house that the main character not be LeBron James, that the main character not be Patrick Mahomes or not be there and tell it, Lord, that the main character be our infatuation and our obsession and our devotion and passion to Jesus, the one who died for us, the one who loves us, the one who's made us, the one who's blessed us and given us everything. Help us, Lord, to give more than our 10%. Help us, Lord, to give our whole lives for this thing. Now, Jesus is the main character, the Lord that can be trusted with your life. Guys, his way is right. His way is true. God needed to blink a second, I think, as he was looking down on us. What would T.D. Jakes, he would go with that probably. Like, he don't need to blink. He, don't, he, don't, he, can, he keeps his eyes open and sees you. <laughs> He's awake. So you need to wake up, sleep, or wake. <laughs> Cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> I need some of those. I need some of those where you just go off the cuff and you're like, okay, so there's only up from here. No. <laughs> Loosens me up. If he's the main character, let's go to English class. What's the setting? I didn't like English class. Did you like English class? 
No, it's all right. Okay. I like the AP classes. I didn't take the tests, but I liked it. Help your GPA. You know, like you get an A, it's a five. That's like cheating. You get straight B's and you get a 4.0. It's like, that doesn't work. That's not right. You got a B. <laughs> do they still do that? AP class is worth five? Nice. Put them on there. Put them on your schedule. Gosh. If the Lord is the main character, what's the setting? I think it's important, maybe if you're like me and you start reading Genesis again at the beginning of the year. Connor, you're on like day 80 on your Bible. How is that possible? It's like 13 days in and he's like almost done the Bible again. Good job, man. <laughs> he's like, I don't know anything that I read, but I've completed 80 days, so... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Genesis 2 this year, at the beginning, the Lord stopped me in my tracks. And I hope perhaps you pursue reading the word in a year. Maybe you're in that resolution. Maybe you failed that resolution already. But I've heard many well-known preachers and speakers say that they can't read through the Bible in a year because they get interrupted too much by the Lord and they get stopped. And as much as you pursue reading a lot, I do it, done it yearly, I hope that you allow the Lord to stop you at times, amen? And you're reading and you have your plan, you have your devotional, but you come across a passage where you gotta just, I can't read anymore. What does this mean, Lord? What are you speaking to me? What are you saying? And this might sound so simple, maybe even dumb, but I was stopped at Genesis 2, verse 8. And it says this. So in Genesis 1, it's the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, which is beautiful poetry, which is beautiful history for us. But then in Genesis chapter 2, it's almost as if he says it again, says what he did again in another way. And I love this verse, verse 8, chapter 2. Now the Lord God, the creator of everything, the one who spoke and everything came to be, the Bible would like us to believe as he was walking among us, that the Lord God planted a garden. Now you've heard that, the Garden of Eden, right? But did it make you think of your grandma like it made me think of mine, the gardener, and the peaceful spirit, the nature of someone that plants a garden, anyone like to plant gardens here? No one? A couple, Chantel does, I know you do. What's that say about the person? Come on, can, don't, don't just make this a religious thing or a traditional thing. The Lord God felt the need to make preparations for who he was about to create, and the way that he did it was by planting a garden. I mean, that's beautiful. I mean, that is, that is peaceful to me. And I know that by chapter 19, we are completely lost and messing it up in Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, I was telling people that this week about like how quickly we mess it up. But we have to go back to the intention of God at the beginning. Here's what I want. Here's what I desire. I'm going to create all this beautiful thing. And then what I'm going to do is create a garden for you. And it says the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he formed. Mm. Not complicated. Where's the difficulty in that? 
What? Enjoy the, enjoy the garden that the Lord's made. Many of us, we don't see it. Many of us, we don't stop and smell the finish it. The Lord planted. I mean, I, I was going to have one of those farm hats or something, like with the gloves. I was going to do it, but I just didn't want to be that guy. Like the TikTok guy or the Instagram guy. Like, I just, I just can't. I mean, when I see those things, I, a little much, a little, trying a little too hard. But you would probably get it. Like, I, I mean, seriously, I, I do, I do. I'm going to do it. Like, I want you to think about the Lord God. I just, uh, I think because he's so good and he knows us so well, like what we desire, what we need. And he creates all this, he speaks all this. And, and then it says, like, I imagine him with that hat on, like, like keep, he, he's probably tan, so he doesn't need, he's not going to get sunburnt, but he's got the hat on and he's got the gloves. Maybe he just wants to be dirty. He doesn't have the gloves on. And he's, and he's like, plant this garden. And he's like, I'm planting this in preparation for, for Adam. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this work. And like, I want to, I want to, so like I speak about all these, but then I'm going to like plant this garden for him. And then I'm, I'm going to like get ready. And I'm like, Adam, I'm like, Adam, enjoy this, son. Enjoy this. This is what I've made for you. This is what I prepare for you. And of course, how quickly the devil, how quickly the serpent comes. And then by, by chapter 19, I just was, my mind was completely blown. By the time I told Pastor Tim this, by the time 19 comes, these guys have completely twisted it with Sodom and Gomorrah. Even Lot, like the promised guy, Abraham's nephew, like even him has got it wrong. Like he's willing to give up his daughters for these guys. And like, do you know the story? But I think of God's intention towards us. I think of God's heart towards us. Like it actually says that God was sad that he made us. Like, have you ever been let down? Like, have you ever been in a place where you made preparations and you worked hard for a certain thing and you saw, yes, like maybe your marriage, you saw the beauty that it could be, but the other person had free choice and you saw also the negative that it could be, but you were willing to love regardless. And God's the same way that he has predestination and he's sovereign. But listen, we also have free will and God said, it's worth it. And I know it's a risk, but I'm gonna create these beings anyways because I love them and I want them to choose love back. And we didn't. All of us didn't choose him back. Then he had to make another way. And that's the story of us, that the Lord made a way. And he continually makes a way. But back to Genesis 2. Then the Lord God, and this is important. We're going to get to the household. Then the Lord God put him in the Garden of Eden to work, work it. Okay? He didn't have to tell him to enjoy it. I think that was a given. I'm going to put you in this place with these blessings, with this situation, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to know that weeds grow in a garden that's unattended. So I want you to work it, and I want you to take care of it. But remember whose garden it is. And the master will come back and ask us how we stewarded his garden. Come on now. He places the man in the garden, but whose garden is it? You're just a worker in the garden. Yes, he wants you to treat it like it's yours. And yes, it's yours because it's your father's. But listen to me, it's his. It's ultimately his. And we'll stand before God at the end. What did you do with my garden? God, it's a mess. God, it's a train wreck. I get it, but the Lord can restore Work, take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free. Everyone say free. free. 
Say it one more time. You are free, free. to eat from any, say any, any tree in the garden, any tree in his garden, but not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, when you go outside of what I planned, my boundaries set before you that were for your good and for your freedom, for your benefit, for your joy, you will certainly die. But then he goes back to even more good. I mean, he's given us everything. What's he say in verse 18? Is that what he said? <laughs> the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It's all his. You're called a steward What's his? You're responsible for what's his. It's been this way since the beginning. And what we know, the unfortunate reality of life is that weeds grow in a garden unattended, right? But in my house, your house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen? We desire to be obedient in our house. Not perfect. That's not a goal. We want to become more like Jesus. We are apprentices to Jesus. Said so if anyone Come to me. It's a choice. Come to me. When the Lord has been speaking to me about vision in my household for the last few months, we've been starting to do some worship at the house, and it's hilarious. It is hilarious. The kids pick the set, and um, they fight over the set. Running is the biggest hit. They like running. They like, uh, they like a lot of songs, but they fight over the set list. It's funny. They must have a little bit of me in them, I guess. But it's been fun, but it's been challenging. Duke's five, Coda's three, and Jess is two. Yeah. And one on the way. <laughs> um, but it's funny like you just hope they're getting something right we sing some songs we lay our hands on each other and the first few times was hilarious got a couple pictures then it comes they, they want to pray they want to pray for daddy they want to pray for mommy and the more that they develop, the more that you watch them, you know that they're getting it. They're getting it. It's not perfect. They still fight over who's on the stage singing the song. Sometimes they don't want to. But, but we have this desire, this priority in life that there's no competition with Jesus. There is no competition with the Lord. He is number one. He is number one. Coda the other night said, when I was putting him to bed, sometimes Shani does, sometimes I do. Coda said, Daddy, you didn't put your hand on my head. <laughs> yeah. So I cover her whole face with my hand. <laughs> I say, Lord, bless her. She's so beautiful, Lord. You have great plans for her. Bless her life. Help her to follow you. Help her to know you, Jesus. And they just, their cheeks, they just smile so big. They smile so big. Listen to me, Dad. 
Just, just try to take, try to take a step. Just try to take a step, man. You're not a pastor and I know it. God knows it. You don't have to, you're not. Just try because your kids have a destiny. God has a plan for your kids. God has a plan for their life. And they need to know him. They need to know him for their life won't make sense outside of him. It won't. It doesn't make sense outside of the creator of everything, Jesus. It doesn't make sense. Sports and and pursuing something doesn't make sense. A job and a salary, none of it makes sense outside of the one who ordained and crafted our lives to know him. For it's just eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die doesn't mean anything. What's it mean? There's nothing new under the sun. Well, get over the sun. There's more to this life. It's bigger than you. But God has a part for you to play. Amen? Oh, and I want to play my role. God, I want to play my role. I want to do my job. (sighs) The thief comes Only, everyone say only. Only to steal and kill and destroy. This is the words of our master, Jesus. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Full, full, full. Young person, full. Young person, abundance, Young person, the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Listen to me now. Listen to me about the words of Jesus. He came. He came. His way is full. His way is abundance, not the way of the world. Stop searching. It's right here in front of you. Reach out. The way of Jesus is life and life to the full, but isn't always easy. Are you all right? Say, I'm all right. The way of Jesus is what scripture calls the hard road that leads to life. Got you, Daniel. (laughs) The hard road. Who said that? Someone just make that up? Did I just make that up? Say it's hard. Come on. Jesus said in Matthew 7, enter through the narrow gate, make a decision, and be intentional about the direction. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate? This is Jesus. And difficult the road that leads to life and few, say few, few find it. Jesus says for us not to wander into it, but to enter into it. Enter implies a choice. Enter implies intentionality. Enter implies a direction that we ought to go. We've been given a gift of the garden to walk in. I pray for you in your household. I pray if this describes you, that the Lord restore you, that the Lord, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. There's no one too far gone for the Lord. There's no marriage that's too far gone. There's no kid in your life that's too far gone. There's no purpose and dream that's too far gone. Abraham was 100 when he received the promise. How about you? 
Do you have an excuse? A message to the household. Does this describe Dustin's household as the father of the Wharton home or the husband to my wife? Aimless, wandering, tired, unguarded, hypnotized, weak, undisciplined, lustful, deceived, defeated, holding grudges, unorganized, disoriented, and the list goes on. Dustin, you worked so hard to be successful. You love and have worked so hard in school and in sports. We work so hard in the world, but when it comes to the household, it's easy for us to belittle or under-prioritize the things that matter most, the things right in the palm of our hands. And we search for more. We search. We have an insatiable desire for more. And we've lost touch with the simplicity of what God intends for us. We know that weeds grow in a garden unattended. What weeds have grown in my garden? What have I initiated? What have I tolerated that the Lord wants to remove or he wants to come along and restore? What are some preconceived ideas about what it means to be a father that comes home from work and plays a role in his household? What are those preconceived? What does the world say? What, What does God want me to do? And, and here's what I also want us to do, and this is what I have called to do. Don't, this is what I feel like, don't, don't call being obedient to me legalism. Don't call when I speak to you and I tell you, and I'm, there, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free, so you bet, we gotta listen to him. If the Lord tells you to turn the TV off to pray, turn the TV off. It's not legalism, it's obedience. Too many times I give myself permission to not obey the Lord because I don't want to be under law. When the Bible says that God will write the law on your heart so that from the least to the greatest, they'll know me. And I got to listen to his voice and I got to follow. For the only ones that do that are his sheep. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. They're obedient to me. That's not law, that's a relationship. To leave today, some application. And don't do this because I said, I, I challenge you to ask the Lord if he wants you to do this. Fair enough? So that's fair. I like to hear from you. So drink your coffee and I'd like to hear from you. So that's fair. <laughs> worse yet, worse yet. Sorry. Tough crowd, tough crowd. No, I love you guys. You're the best crowd. You're the best congregation, the best church. Thankful for you. Number one, application, leaving today in your household, not just at your church, at your household, is to seek him. Not wander into him, not bump into him. Oh, excuse me. Seek his face. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, these scriptures are in YouVersion. So go to the events and go to Lighthouse Hope. It's live and it's there. We just place them in the YouVersion. Matthew 7, 7 to 8, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and that's how you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Psalm 27, verse 8, David says, My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, my response is, I will seek your face. Hebrews eleven six 6, it says, Now without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists, listen, and that he's a rewarder of those who what? Seek him. He says, you don't, you're not finding because you're not seeking. And you're not rewarded because you don't seek him. Matthew 6, seek first. Family members, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be provided for you. Mm. Put things in the right perspective. Jesus, help us. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Lord, let our homes be about seeking you. Lord, let our homes be about knowing you. I pray that I would lead the way, but I would also listen to my wife. I would listen to my kids as they seek you. Lord, that there would be words that they would present to us that we would have to be obedient to as a family. God, I pray we would be open to it. Seek him. Let there be an environment and an atmosphere where we seek him. Number one, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need. You think Jesus knows what he's talking about? I think he does. Number two is this, is work. When he placed him in the garden, he was able to enjoy it, but he said, work it and take care of it. When I came home, a few months ago, pulled in the driveway. You ever just sit in your vehicle? <laughs> Think, ponder, pray, whatever you want to call it. Just thinking, and I felt the Lord whisper to me, y'all all right? Say, I'm all right. Fair. Dustin, what are you here for? What are you here for? Now you're going to go in there. What are you going to do? Oh, such a hard day at work. Chantel, get me a sweet tea. <laughs> Turn on the TV. Oh, pity me, Shanny. You had it so easy at home with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I don't think I've ever said that before, but I've acted that way before. And that calls for repentance. <laughs> and if not, flames of fire. <laughs> Don't tell me hell doesn't exist. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Chantel is so generous and merciful to moi, the extreme person that I am. What are you here for? Are you, you are tired, that's fine. I bet your wife's tired. I bet your kids are tired. I bet you really did work hard and I think you earned your wages today. But listen to me, when you come home, you got work to do. I, I tell you, as strong as the Lord has spoken to me, Dustin, you come home with the mindset that you'll do whatever it takes. You'll do whatever it takes to have a good marriage. You'll do whatever it takes for your kids to know Jesus. You'll do whatever it takes to do the hard work. And it takes work. Come on, somebody that's been married for a while, testify, it takes work. It takes intentionality. It takes effort. It's not just a thing that we pray about it, which is so important that you pray for your spouse and you pray that God prepares them. But listen to me, it is so important that we play our role, dad, father, husband. We play our role. I tell you, I've been so challenged with this because I know we're not under law. I know that it's not a legalistic, I understand that. And that's not what I'm saying 
But I know that I know that Jesus is calling us men to stand up and step out of the toxic behavior of that everything will be given to you and everybody's here to serve you. No, you're supposed to lay your life down as Jesus did. You're supposed to do the hard work and not be resentful and not be bitter. You're supposed to do whatever it takes for your family. I, I, I know it, I know it. Because the enemy's wreaking havoc in the homes, wreaking havoc in the families and the marriages. It's divorce after divorce after divorce. Come on, somebody. Wake up, sleeper. Arise and let Christ shine on you. Dustin, are you willing to do the hard work when you don't feel like it and you're tired? Are you willing to do the hard work? Jesus said something similar when he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, the potential is great, but the people that are willing to work it, very few. That can be said about our home, that can be said about our church, whatever you will. The potential for LOH is fantastic, but the workers, only a few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. That's what he said. I'm reading scripture. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out, what's that word? Workers. Workers, plow, sweat, have tears, be, be tired as can be, for you only have one life. What are you doing with it? Is that it? Just another Netflix subscription? Man, I do not like Peacock anymore. By the way, <laughs> what in the world? I am deleting that right when I get home. That's ridiculous. They made me pay $6.35 to watch that game last night. <laughs> you heard me. That's crooked. Oh, it's like a peacock representative be here. Like, I, sorry, you guys have a great thing, I guess. Just, she was... I, and I even said, I said, I'm not doing this. Texted my family, said, I'm going to be stubborn and not watch this game, not watch this game. Gosh, had to watch the game <laughs> till halftime. $6.35 to watch half the game. It's a blowout. That's not my life. As the dad, as the father. To come home and to sit, what do my kids need? I said it earlier at the offering. That jet wants to know that I understand him. Oh my gosh. Oh, give me, Lord, help me to have time. Every time I just try to take pictures. Just try to take pictures. You are the cutest little human being in the world. Snapshot. My daughter, Dakota. Oh, she just wants to know that dad sees her. I mean... Her, her face, when I see her, Coda, hey, baby, hey, beautiful. I mean, just like unbelievable. And Duke, he's starting to do sports and stuff, and it's so cool. But he wants to know I approve of the work that he's doing. Like he so desperately needs his dad's approval. Oh, my gosh. And the Lord knows exactly what you need today. But, but, but listen to me also. Listen to me also. Jesus said that his provision, that his food came from doing the work of his father. And, and have you ever done the hard work at home? Or you ever done something where you just feel like you're being obedient to the Lord? And maybe it's not a spiritual thing, but you just, you just are. And it feels fulfilling you get like this return. You're like, man, like this is right that I'm helping out. This is right that I'm playing my role. This is right, whatever it is, whether it's simple, like cooking dinner or cleaning up or doing the dishes or the laundry or whatever, like to play your role. It's a partnership. Like it's fulfilling. And Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my father. 
my sustenance, my return, my actual fulfillment. It's not necessarily just be still and know that I'm God. There's a part for that, but it's also very fulfilling to be obedient in the home to the Lord, even if it's work, even if it's hard and challenging. Amen? The harvest is plentiful. The potential is great and abundant, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord, send out workers in the harvest. I'm actually going to stop there. Let's stand and the band can come. In the YouVersion Bible app, it has the rest of the notes. Um, if you want to look through and see what I was going to talk about next. But I think this is a great place to stop. Here's what I want to do at the end here. And I said about starting with the end in mind. Bear with me. If you think it's corny, that's fine. But like, going back to that graph metaphor. It's like, and this is this, how you do it. It's whatever is in your hands. So you're not married. You don't have kids. You're single. What's your responsibility? You're just married or about to be married. That's your, it's your responsibility, right? Now with this graph, you start with the end in mind. So you start to see the, the direction that we're heading, the direction that I'm heading. And ask the Lord if he would illuminate to you, give you revelation as to this direction that I'm heading, what does the end look like? The decisions that I'm making, how I'm acting, how I'm working, the effort I'm putting into it, the decisions we're making at a family, what, as a family, what does our family revolve itself around? If you would ask your kids, what is the most important thing to dad? What's the most important thing to mom? If you would ask them and see the direction that you're heading, ask the Lord. God, what's the direction we're heading as? Because I, I don't want to get to the place that I've seen so many people get to. Say, how did I even get here? How did I even get to the place where I don't love my spouse anymore? How did God, I know that you've intended us to be married. How did I get to the place where my kids want nothing to do with church? How did I get here? Nobody started with the intention that they would get to that place. You understand what I'm saying? Direction, not intention, determines destiny. God, I have, this, I have this picture. All right, I'll show you the screensaver of this. Me and Duke at the Outer Banks. Duke was two. He's five, turning six now. Like, like if someone told me, and now I can't, you can't control people. You can't control your wife. You can't control what they do. You can't control your kids. That's not what I'm saying. But you set out on course to do everything that you can possible and let the Lord do the rest. Train up a child in the way that they go. When they get older, they will not depart from it. Amen. But my son right now, I, I, this isn't what I'm seeing. This isn't what I'm worried. I want him to know when he's my age and has a son of his own that Jesus is the only thing that makes sense in life. That, that the only fulfillment that the only success is standing before your master at the end, son, and saying, by the blood of the lamb, I stand here as an overcomer. That I have given my whole life to Jesus and that's all that really mattered, son. I worked really hard to build houses and to make a nice life for you. And I wanted you to be successful in sports and all that stuff. There's supplements to the main thing. The main thing, son, is that you know Jesus. The main thing is that you love him and that there's no competition. Sports, there's no competition, Cumberland, with Jesus. 
He's the one that should fill the house. He's the one that we should applaud. He's the one that we should worship. He's the one that we should scream and shout for. There's no competition. There should be none. On the weekend, there should be none on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There should be no competition, brother and sister, between him and the house of the Lord and God Almighty. There's no competition. For when we get it wrong, we miss it by a mile. And there's people in the church calling it grace, calling it not being under wall, and missing it by a million miles just by missing it by one degree of coordination on the map you can miss it in the end by a million miles but like I began the Lord can hit the nail on the head the Lord can hit the bullseye in your life. The Lord can hit the target in your family. The Lord can hit the target in your marriage. The Lord can do it. Someone say the Lord can do it. And some of you feel hopeless. Some of you feel lost. But the Lord comes up to you today and says, I can do it. Not I, but Christ in me. Not I, but him. For I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This life, I live in the body. I live by the, faith, by the Son of God, by faith in Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Hallelujah. So Lord, we respond to you. Whatever that looks like. I see people writing in journals. I see people bowing their face in repentance. I see people laying themselves before uh, you, God. I see people holding their wife and asking for forgiveness. I see people going and getting their kids and praying for their kids. I see people during this time texting someone that's lost. I see people asking for reconciliation. I see people, uh, whatever, I see people asking for healing. I see people changing their whole life. And, and realizing that they've got it in it completely wrong. And they say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord. And the Lord wants to make it right. He wants to make it right. Acts 3 says, turn to God. Repent and turn to God. Turn to God. Talk to God. That times of refreshing would come from the Lord. Come on, whose house doesn't need refreshed? Whose marriage doesn't need refreshed? Who's, come on. I see it happening. Don't conform to the pattern of religion and tradition based on this response time. Respond to the Lord, what he's telling you. Be obedient to the Lord. That's all he asks. Son, here's the garden. Son, here's what I prepared for you. Work it. Take care of it. What does that mean for you? I don't have to figure it out. You don't have to know all the answers. No, I never said it. <sighs> I read this on Saturday and this is it. This is where I'm done. This is where I'm done. Jacob was a deceiver and Jacob was in a very bad place. He tried to deceive and his family was so dysfunctional and all he wanted, he decided to deceive for the blessing. And, and I feel like there might be people 
in this place. And forgive me if if this is not about you. Please, I pray that I not interrupt where God's taking you. But I would think as I'm reading this about the holy God, that God would want nothing to do with the deceiver Jacob. For Jacob tried to look apart. Jacob tried to play like his brother for the blessing. God help them to see, I'm gonna pretend to act this way so that I can receive the blessing. And he ends up getting the blessing. And I'm like, God, how could you allow that? God, you're gonna strike him. But what's so crazy in the turn of events is that the Lord actually ends up blessing Jacob. It's <laughs> and Jacob does not deserve it. I mean, he does not deserve it. And maybe you're a father right now and you just feel like, I just don't deserve it. I've just done so many things wrong. And he comes in this place in Genesis 29. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you your offspring, the land on which you are lying. This is the first that the Lord, the Lord gives him a dream. And then the Lord promises to him the deceiver. I will give you and your offspring the land on which you are lying. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out toward the west and the east and the north and the south. Be encouraged today. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Look, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. (laughs) He was there all along and you didn't know it. You didn't have to manipulate. You didn't have to deceive for the blessing. He was here all along. And he said, what an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So so Jacob changes the name of the place because it's where God visited him. Some of us need to reframe, rename, reorder, reprioritize, declare this is the house of the Lord. Come on, Ben, come on. And this is the house of the Lord. Today we draw the boundary line. Today this is yours. My house, my family, my marriage, my kids, whatever's in my hands, it's all yours. Amen? Come on, say amen, church. Amen. Amen. It's all His.